Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This episode is brought to you by AFCO. Family owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements and help you weather it any day on the water. From cold tournament mornings to the humid summers in Florida, our products are built to handle the extreme. We are proud to hear customer stories about the 20-plus year life cycle of the AFCO products. Visit AFCO.com. That's A-F-T-C-O.com for on-the-water performance gear. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before and if you're interested in building a new pond or lake give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you if you're anywhere in the southeast schedule an obligation free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com What's up, guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brian Sin. Appreciate you guys tuning in and and, uh, downloading the podcast and listening to us. Man, summertime is here, that's for sure. We've got some warm weather. I had some good rain a week ago, but everything's kind of died down. The, The water's probably cleaned back up a little, and we've got some unbelievable exciting things to talk about this week on the show that we're fired up about and hope you guys enjoy and the first segment is one that i have been dying to do with uh steve owens from dug out bait and tackle steve is a awesome guy tons of knowledge they got an incredible shop over there in georgia and man i want to talk about what you you know if you're new if you're just starting the sport if you've listened to this podcast you got fired up about it if you got buddies that are trying to get you out there we want you to get out there and we want you to be able to go to the bait and tackle store and and figure out what exactly do i need to go and start fishing uh because it can be overwhelming so let's get to that first segment with steve owens what's going on steve Hey, man, how are you? I appreciate you letting me come on and talk a little bit. Heck yeah, man. I've been looking forward to it. I mean, me and you've been been talking a little bit and, and trying to get this thing lined up. And uh, so I'm really been looking forward to diving into this. And I'll tell you, I'm looking forward into it for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think it's going to be a really cool segment. And I think it's going to bring a lot to the show. But secondly, I'm for my own personal benefit, I'm selfishly having you on today, Steve, just to be honest with you. I went and got me a, a Hobie kayak. And I love it. Been out several times in it, caught some fish, and I love it. But when I when I got ready to go get geared up for it, you know, of course I got five teen, I got four teenage boys, and so all my stuff's gone. Steve, you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's exactly yeah, I do. I can't find a fishing pole, rod and reel. I can't find a worm to tie on nothing. So I got to go start basically all over. Kind of like growing up around my house, if you found a uh, a 10-millimeter socket or a wrench, it was on accident because they were all gone. 
All gone. Between four That's wheelers right. and dirt bikes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of that way with fishing stuff too. Yeah. Boys will be boys, I reckon. My daddy, my daddy's loving it because he's payback, right? <laughs> That's right. But you know, when I started fishing in high school and and through that time in my life, I mean it's been a been a long time. But you could go to store, to the bait tackle stock shop, kind of like you guys got with dugout, and you could buy worms, maybe a lizard, maybe a spinner bait, buzz bait, and a and a spook, and you pretty much that's about all you needed. Now that still may be all you need today. I don't know, but when you go to the tackle shop today. There are aisles and aisles and aisles of stuff I ain't never even heard of. And it's honestly a little overwhelming unless you know specifically what you're going in to get. So what I want to do is, first of all, I want you to talk about yourself, talk about your company, where you guys are, what you do. And then after that, I want to kind of dive in to if you're getting into fishing, if you just hadn't re-geared up in a while and you want to know where do I start? Because you could go through there with, you know, shopping carts and fill up stuff and not know if you got the right thing or not. So I think it's gonna be cool, man. So let's tell us about yourself. Tell us about your company. Tell us about Dugout. All right. Yeah, I'm uh, again, you know, I'm Steve Owens. I work for Dugout Bait and Tackle Shop. I'm a purchaser. I do sales and I run our uh, kayak pro team, pro staff. And my history, I, I've been a kayak fisherman for going on eight years and um, grew up on Nickajack pan fishing and moved up to Lake Chickamauga about 2011 with my wife and fishing from a bank and, you know, just having fun. And one of my best friends, you know, Ryan Lambert reached out and said, man, we need to check these kayaks out. So he bought one and then I bought one and I fished for about a year from, from it, you know, around here. And he got into a tournament, you know, cause we're competitive and, and I followed along not long after that and just got the bug and, you know, just fishing from a kayak is just different as I'm sure you'll elaborate on later and stuff, but a transition from fishing, you know, I still do quite a bit, but I got into the tournament directing, uh, we run a grassroots club here on Lake Chickamauga. We fish Chickamauga and Gunnersville and Dale Hollow, and that's Tennessee Valley Kayak Anglers. For anybody listening that wants to join, look that up on Facebook and slid over and worked for Bassmaster for a little while, getting that series up and going. And, and right now, I currently run uh, Tennessee and Georgia Bass Nation Kayak Anglers and just started off the ground with a Hobie Bass Open Series college tour we've been doing. Uh, we just had two events this year for that. But, you know, somewhere along the way, I met Jamie Coza down at uh, Dugout Bait Tackle in Marietta, Georgia, and just uh, started, you know, a little team with him and, and just grew into my role now and, and uh, just really enjoy it. Very, very blessed and fortunate to uh, be able to do what we do. And, you know, Dugout Bait and Tackle has been around since 57, I think, um, in some capacity. And, you know, we're a, a – a, a high-end bait and tackle shop as far as rods and reels go. We do have all price ranges of things, but we specialize in that upper tier there. Uh, bait and, now, the bait and tackle, you know, we sell about anything. As you mentioned, it can be overwhelming. You know, we've got an online store uh, that we try to stay stocked pretty well, but, but it, right now in the industry, if you've got it, it gets sold pretty quickly. Uh, so be sure to reach out to us if there's something you don't see on there because chances are we have it. 
Uh, we just hadn't had time to get it posted up because it, it goes out of the store so quickly, you know, by hand. But yeah, yeah, we're just here. We do a lot of custom rigging on our kayaks. We do a lot of electronics rigging, motors, accessories, steering. We sell Tennessee trailers and about anything you need to get in the water, big or small. You know, we've got it from all price ranges. Man, that's that's awesome. And sounds like you have uh, dove into this thing full bore for sure, especially on the kayak side. And it's, and it's so awesome to see the kayak. I mean, that's the fastest growing segment of, of fishing right now is the kayak fishing. And 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 after having one only two two about two weeks myself, I haven't been able to go out but a handful of times. But I can see what the attraction is to that. It's just a real. It's real cool being that low, being down on the water, quiet. And man, you can you can get in there to these places that other folks can't get to. And 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 I want to do some kayak specific segments with you in the future for sure that's that we we're going to do that but you know what what i would love to do today is you know even a little more generic it doesn't matter if you're kayak fishing or if you've or if you got a bass boat or you know you got a buddy that's got a boat he wants you to go with him and, and you're trying to gear up to go to that so you know let's just start with some basics i mean if you're let's just start with rod and reels I mean, if, if, if you're coming in, you're needing a new rod, needing a new reel, where's a starting place for that? I mean, there's so many options and the price range is all over the place. And I know I'm asking you an extremely broad question and it's probably unfair to ask you that, but there's some really good reels on the market, some really good rods that you don't have to sell a kidney for. (laughs) You're right there. Uh, like with everything we do, we kind of just, you know, we go full bore into it eventually. And, and I did the same when I first got started, you know, I, like I said, I grew up pan fishing. So, you know, everything was brand new to me as far as bass fishing went. And, and I had to have it all because, you know, I used to do sports memorabilia. And so I was kind of a collector of sorts and, and I got bit by that bug early on and I spent so much money (laughs) <laughs> um, and what I've learned through working with kayakers, because a lot of kayakers are new to fishing as well. You know, it's kind of like an entry level for some. Now we're seeing a lot of bass boaters like yourself getting into the kayaking and realizing the, the primal aspect, just the, the breath of fresh air it puts into you as you may be burnt out from some boat fishing kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, the, the big key is financially it's easier to get into. So, you know, getting on to the point you're asking about rods and reels and stuff is it can be intimidating. There's so much to choose from. And that's what I mentioned. You know, we are a high-end tackle shop, but that just means that we have the ability to get everything that you may need. So for me, going backwards, now that I've reached the top of what you can probably purchase those are bells and whistles like on a vehicle you don't have to have heated seats but it's nice well the same applies more so to fishing tackle so you can get in now my opinion if you don't have a lot of funds or extra funds because of the prices of everything skyrocketing you know if you have to save for a month or two to get that 90 to 120 dollar range rod do it the uh the abu uh garcia series the vendettas the jordan lee line uh shimano makes like uh the slx and the uh corrado series rods they're all around 80 bucks to 120 150 bucks and the reason i say to spend that is because you're only going to need two combos most likely so Mm -hmm. if you can do that 
and then save for another month around $89 to $100 spinning reel is really nice as well. Um, you know, there's all the, the Shimano is what I really prefer. Uh, a Shimano Nasi is like $8,900, $89. And then, so you can start out with like a seven foot to a seven foot two medium heavy spinning rod paired with that reel I mentioned or any reel. Lose makes really good spinning reels. They all make a really good spinning reel anymore. A lot of components are all made in the same factories and they share, you know, right. production costs and stuff. So just find what's comfortable for you. And then like, if you're like me, what looks the best for you? So right. you know, I like something to look good. So, uh, so, um, but just take those two points there, about a hundred dollar rod, hundred dollar reel. If you can throw an extra 50 on one or the other, do that. That's going to put you at a couple hundred bucks and you're going to be able to take that spinning rod and fish anything you want getting started and then with that you're going to want to spend 10 to 20 dollars on a spool of 20 pound braid or 30 pound braid and what that means is by using braid is you can use braid for years if you take care of it you can just you can just reuse it it doesn't have the memory of like fluorocarbon it doesn't stretch like mono so once you've bought that spool of braid for your spinning reel then you can educate yourself on how to tie a leader which will be of either monofilament or fluorocarbon so that if you're fishing clear water the fish can't see your braid and then so now you're you've got a setup to where you can tie on like a two or three foot leader and that leader spool is going to last you a year or two as well. So you can continue doing those things. You can worm fish with that spinning rod. Uh, you can take the leader off and just use straight braid to throw like a pop R. You know, they're like five bucks at Walmart or any bait and tackle shop you go in. And then from the bank, that's all you're going to need to throw. Like you mentioned, is a worm or a lizard or a crawdad, and then you can throw that popper early in the morning in the spring and summertime and catch bass from the bank like that, you know. And once you kind of get used to that and you want to branch out a little more, uh, or if you can already do it, you know, buy yourself a bait caster combo. Um, and you can, though, there's still plenty of great options for me. If you're going to buy a, a beginner or a budget-friendly reel, I would not spend $100 on anything else other than the Shimano SLX. And the reason I say that is it's got a Hagani body metal frame. Uh, it fits perfect. I have thrown the snot out of those $100 reels for three years now. And once a year, I clean them with some Q-tips, drop one drop of oil on each bearing, and they are still sound as all get out. Man, and that's a $100 I, reel. I bought an SLX two weeks ago. And it's the LX, it was a 70, I think it was SLXD 70. And so it's there. I think those are normally buck 50. Uh, they had it on sale for like 115, 120. I went in there to buy the one you're talking about, just the res, the regular SLX and ended up because it was on sale buying the D and look, all I, I had some Shimano's. I had the Shimano Carrados already. Now that mine were old, I mean, my, you know, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, mine were st they're still in great shape, and these things are 20 years old probably, and I still fish with them every day. But this SLX, man, that's I will never buy anything but that. It is unbelievable how it, it, smooth it feels like. So it feels like a $300 reel. Yeah, I remember back. This is years and years ago. My dad and my uncle. I'm talking about like in the Kmart days. They went in, and I remember them. I'm talking about like 86 or 89, 88 maybe when I was a kid. I was about 10, 11 years old. 
I remember just them blowing my mind when they bought like a seventy or a eighty dollar uh, Abu Garcia reel at Kmart, and and that was like you know that's like two hundred dollars nowadays, and that reel, like you said, performs like a three hundred dollar reel. And that just uh, a lot of like like what I mentioned, if you'll do the research on Shimano stuff, that's what they started doing was taking upper level like the Stella reels and taking those internals and provide and making those available in the lower price range reels as well. Kind of like, you know, Nissan did with motors years and years ago. Instead of making a four and a six, they just went six for a while and they saved a lot of money doing that. And. I think that's what kind of put Shimano ahead of the game, in my opinion, uh, in the industry. So, but keeping with that, you know, you can still, you know, from there, uh, get that hundred, you know, hundred and fifty dollar rod, and you're going to be able to throw heavier Texas rig worms. You're even, you're going to be able to get into throwing a, a bigger spinner bait or even a chatter bait, um, and even a frog, you know, from your kayak. Then, and and for those that are kind of new, uh, if you're wondering the difference between a bait caster and a spinning reel. Uh, the spinning reel, we kind of typically refer to as a finesse deal. And so you're pulling, you know, that line, your bait in, in that circular motion around the reel. And you can't pull it as hard as picture the bait caster as a winch on the front, front of a truck. That design will horse bigger fish easier and through vegetation if you live on a lake that's got good grass. So that's why a bait caster learning that is imperative to enjoying your fishing because, you know, if you're in a kayak or from the bank and, and you catch, you know, a fish in the junk, you can get them in on a spinning reel, but you're going to start losing them the thicker the grass as the season gets longer. Yeah. So you're going to need a bait caster of some sort. So. Well, I, I'm on, I echo you on there. that, man. I mean, you, that SLX is for the money. Uh, if somebody's going to go out and look for a new reel, I, that's the first thing I would tell them. I, I, I cannot tell you how impressed I was with that reel two weeks ago when I first took it out. I, it literally, it blew my mind how smooth and how, how it just felt. It's a really, really good reel, that's for sure. Well, you know, we've talked about the, the reels and, and rods. And, and like you said, you, you can go out there and you can even buy cheaper, obviously. There's there's combos out there, sets that you can get started with. And uh, But I'm 100% with you. If you got to wait a few more weeks, got to wait another month to make you know to get a hundred dollar reel and a and a hundred dollar rod or 85 to 100 dollar rod it's just it's worth it it's gonna make your experience better yeah and that goes the same you know for a kayak which we'll get into later is 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 go and demo something because if you just think you just want to buy one off the rack somewhere and you get out in it and it's not comfortable it's not stable enough for you you're not going to like it and you're never going to fish again. You're going to say kayak fishing sucks. I don't want any part of it. Well, that's where you got to go demo. There's plenty of kayaks in every price range. Um, and, and if you find one, you know, like, like a Jackson bite is like $1,100 and it's sturdy enough. You know, I'm 6'2", 280 and I can fish in it all day long, you know, and, and if you can't afford one of those, there's a used market, you know, uh, I, at my first three kayaks were used, you know, and uh, yeah, that's the route that's I just, went. You know, everybody's dollar is worth more to them now than ever, and so that's something that we keep in mind at dugout is when you come in, we don't upsell. We you put we we have a demo pond that you can get in, 
check out anything we've got. And if what we have isn't for you and you have questions about another kayak, then we'll help you with that as well. And, and so because we want you to buy into the sport and to buy into the outdoors and, and enjoy your life. And, and because the outdoors does, it, quite frankly, it's, it, there's a spiritual element to it all for a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, it, it's what helps bring, you know, joy to a lot of families, you know, and a lot of connections. You know, my, my dad, you know, passed on, you know, in 06, but, you know, I grew up fishing Nickajack with him and my grandfather, you know, for, for 20 years in an aluminum John boat. And we had yep. <laughs> more fun than I'll probably have from now on, you know. And, Man, I, um, I tell people what we, I, what we want. I tell people all the time, you know, when I'm talking to dads, you know, a lot of times it's about baseball, you know, because I, I played baseball and, and, uh, you know, kids have played. So I've been around, around a lot of dads and, and they, that ask my advice on whether it's travel baseball or private lessons or this league or this camp. And I'm like, man, look, my advice to them is do the baseball and, you know, make sure that you, your son's playing and he's getting decent coaching. And I know you're going to do all those things. Yeah. But I always end with, but go do something else. Go, go yes. take your kid fishing. Go take your kid squirrel hunting rabbit hunting, quail, turkey, whatever it may be. I've got incredible memories of me and my dad in that John boat, crappie fishing, brim fishing, bass fishing, my brothers. Those memories, when I, I'm as good of memories as I have with me and my dad on the baseball field, that's not what I go to. What I go to is the memories that we made in the outdoors and so i I stress that to people all the time man ain't ain't nobody gonna most folks ain't gonna play play a play a sport for a living and those those that's for a short window of time in our life and and those memories are great too but don't forget to do some other things out there and and there's no better thing than going fishing or getting your kids in the outdoors and starting that tradition for them and giving them those memories but uh so i'm glad you brought that up because that's a that's that's something I, i sure believe in it's been an impact on my life all right guys let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors lnm marine has something for everyone from small hunting boats pontoon boats to bigger bay boats offshore boats and hybrids lnm marine llc prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust they are locally owned and regularly support the community LM Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, financial experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessory staff to support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff now locally owned six miles north of I-10 on 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251 937 1380 and brought to you by bucks island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs as well as motor sales and services and now they have a pro level tackle store boat and motor trade-ins are welcome visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588 and brought to you by united bank United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working line of credit, and more. 
truth is they deeply value the contribution agriculture plays to our community and they help our local farmers build successful businesses they want to see you succeed learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by any united bank branch united bank all loans subject to credit approval equal housing opportunity lender member fdic well steve we moving from the rod and the reels if you got every kind of crankbank in the world out there now you've got swim baits is something that you hear every every week on the podcast somebody's talking about using a swim bait for this or swim bait for that then nobody fished with a swim bait 15 20 years ago not in my world where i grew up anyway nobody fished with a swim bait and so there's a there's tons of manufacturers out there now and same way with like you know you're talking like like nico rigs and there's just so many options and we can't get into all that today. Uh, we'd be, we'd be on the phone for, for five hours, but just, you know, if, if you're coming in to dug out and you're, you're just trying to gear up and you're not wanting to be overwhelmed with not knowing what you're looking at or looking for, what are a couple things that you would, that you would want to have in your boat if you were going out, to, you know, this weekend? Well, you know, we all start out with the water. Like literally, you know, you talk to the old time every lake that you they'll say you need a green pumpkin trick worm or a, a red shad trick worm or whatever. And and that's true. That, that it, it is, and it's probably been that way since you know uh, forever. But for me, not you know, granted, you know, I'm not an expert at this by any means. But just from fishing, I would say when you go into a shop. I think the Ned rig, especially starting off with that, that spinning rod, as I mentioned, uh, get yourself some, the owner, uh, Gamakatsu, even Z-Man, all make a Ned head that you can Texas rig now to where it makes it weedless. I would start out, I would, I would tell people, get the Ned, get the, get the small Ned rig, you know, because you can, you can toss that thing out there and let it sit. You can hop it. You can swim it. You can do all kinds of things with it. Do that. Get yourself some, you know, eighth ounce tungsten with some worm hooks and buy that seven inch trick worm. And then uh, buy that, that popper I was talking about, that topwater walker popper, you know. Yeah. Uh, Rebel, you know, makes them, you know, Rico Labina makes a $30 one, you know. I mean, there, you know, there, there's all kinds of price ranges, but that's it. That for me, it would be the Ned Rig. A, uh, a a lightweight Texas rig worm, and then that topwater popper or some sort of walking bait for the topwater, and uh, that that's all you need to get started. And a person could go in to the dugout with a twenty dollar bill and buy a pack of five Ned heads, a pack of five Neds, a popper, and a bag of worms and a hooks, and and that could probably get you. You could get out in and out for about twenty bucks, and that'll get you some stuff or or cinco if you don't want the worms you can buy the uh the cinco you know the cinco's yeah yeah well you can do all of that for about 20 bucks you know and you and your kid are going to have a a whole weekend to sit and play with those baits and figure them out you know well you can also go in there and buy a jackhammer chatterbait for about 14 bucks each like i did the other day that's right and uh let me tell you I bought two of them the other day. I think it was $28 for two of them. I'd strip down and jump in the lake naked to get my lure back. Hey, you ain't kidding. I'm I, going I like to get bass. I had a, a mega bass square bill, and this has been in 2018. 
it was 37 degrees outside and I got up to my waist to get that crankbait out of a tree. You I mean, right. it was $25 <laughs> crankbait, you know, I did. like that's yeah. coming back. Yeah. I'm going to get that bait. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Sure did. Sure did. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're exactly right though. You can go in with a $20 bill and, and go fishing and catch fish anywhere in the country. You really can. As you get more into the sport, and get better at it, then, you know, you can start stepping up to the chatterbaits to the, there's so many different, there's so, there's so many options out there. And, and, you know, as you, some of them are pricey, but they catch fish. Now, do they catch fish better than that, that Senko or trick worm or a Texas rig? I'm sure people would argue that they do. Uh, and I'm sure that there's people that would argue that they don't, but basic setup you're right going into the going into the store i mean make sure you've got those those couple different items right there maybe maybe grab a few spinner baits uh and there's and there's chatter baits that aren't 14 dollars. you know that they're right. that are five six bucks uh and a chatter we're bait seeing is, the original chatter bait getting sold like i, I love it on lake chickamauga and and I and I am a chatter. I throw chatter baits nonstop all year long. It's my favorite bait to throw next to a jerk bait. But I would say in the last eight nine trips, I've caught maybe one fish on a chatter bait. I think on where I live, they're kind of conditioned to it right now. And that, it happened a few years ago that there was one summer where they didn't touch a chatter bait very much at all, and then they picked people kind of quit throwing it. So next year they bid it really well. I mean they get conditioned to it, you know. Sure, um, I believe. So you're right, you know, and so the original chatterbaits, you know, four ninety nine, five ninety nine, we've got those and, and you know, you can buy it, stick you some sort of soft plastic, like you mentioned, a little swim bait or a, a crawdad on the back of it to give it a little more body and help it float a little better through the water and uh, they'll eat that too. Yeah. What about jigs? Is jigs something that you would throw in early on? And, and, uh, and early on, maybe not. Maybe a swim jig, you swim know, because jig. you can just yep. slow retrieve it. Yeah, football jig. Then that gets into kind of you know you're going to need twenty heavy pound duty rod, twenty pound. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can still do it on a medium heavy, but but now if you do, you're going to on that SLX reel. You're going to want to put braid on it. You know, if you're new, uh, because your backlashes you can get out easier than fluorocarbon and stuff. But yeah, uh, but I, the I swim like jig, the jig. But you're fish. but you're right. A swim jig, man. I mean, that's a very versatile bait that you can fish. You, you know, in a lot of places and fish the edge of these weed lines or grass or stumps or whatever, and just throw it out and and you know slow roll it back. Right, and because you know dragging a football jig can be very boring. Yes. Swim jig isn't, you know, because you're you're doing something. I think that's why I have to throw a chatterbait so much is because, you know, one of my good friends is a heck of a Carolina rig fisherman. And I sit with him and I watch him just drag and stop. Count to five, drag and stop. And I'm like, there's no Dude, way. Dude, I'm too ADD. No. I can't do it anymore. I used yeah. to could. Yeah. I guess if the I guess if whoever was in the boat with me was catching them on, on that and I wasn't, I'd still do it. But I'm with you, man. I want to. I want to chunk and reel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least, at least chunk and, and pop something on top water. Somehow. Even when I'm finesse fishing, I feel like somehow I'm power fishing it somehow. I don't know. But. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what about the swim baits? I mean, we do hear a lot about swim baits now. You know, they're they're really a swim baits not fished in. I I, I would say it's probably not. You know, fishing maybe a little more on ledges and drop-offs and, and 
I mean, do you kind of see it more as a open water or, or do you fish it around grass and lay downs and stuff as well? Uh, I fish it everywhere. Like my, one of my favorite wintertime baits, and it's a lot of people's is just a, a eighth ounce owner round ball head with a, with either a three or a four inch Kitek on it, you know, and it's a small swim bait, uh, open hook. And, uh, you can throw it, you know, around rocks for smallmouth and spots. And then in the summertime, you know, you can throw it over a grass flat that's got water above it. Uh, this past weekend on Gunnersville, I mean, I didn't catch a lot of good fish, but the area that I typically fish, they, they had already moved out from spawning. Uh, but my favorite bait to throw on Gunnersville is an owner underspin. Uh, and that's a EWG hook that where you can Texas rig the swim bait. And I use a five inch net bait, big spanky or reaction innovations, big dipper. And, and I rig that and I slow roll it over the top of that grass and I fish it around lay downs and I throw it in the stuff like I do a chatterbait. You can't be afraid to lose them. Yeah. You know, that's then you're not fishing places you need to fish. So that's, that's my favorite way to throw a, a, a swim bait is around the grass and stuff. But, uh, but in the wintertime, like when we fish Dale Hollow, uh, Chickamauga, the grass dies and floats off just like Gunnersville in a lot of places. And, and that's when we go to that open hook, uh, Kitek and throw it, you know, around the rocks and try to keep it on the bottom for the yeah. smallmouth and stuff. So, yeah. And you can throw it all year round. I mean, they eat bait fish all year. They never stop eating minnows or brim or bluegill. So, you know, you just have to get it in front of them. Yeah, you know, I was talking to a crappie fisherman the other day down in Eufaula, and he is unbelievable. He, he don't go out with, with, with clients and not limit out. I mean, it just don't happen. I mean, he, he literally, you're going to limit out if you go with him. But I was asking him, I was like, man, how in the world? I've never seen anybody consistently catch as many crappie as you do. And he's like, well, man, I figured out a long time ago that crappie ain't that much different from us. At some point in the day, they're going to eat. And you just got to know you, you just got to be there when they're eating and, and know what they want to eat, know how to present it to them. If you know all those things, you can catch them. It's the same way with bass. Bass are going to eat. Uh, certain times of the year, they probably get a little more aggressive than others, but they still going to eat. You know, like, well, that's what we're talking about. You, you get you get a couple of these go-to baits and, and you know, a good setup, good combo, and, and really two's enough. I mean, especially starting out. I mean, you see people – all the time, you know, these, these professional guys, they got seven, eight rides on, you know, on top of the deck. They race down and grab something all the time, a different lure. But really, you probably need to, but two's too sufficient. Yeah, it is. And, you know, those pros, you know, they all do that because they don't have time to stop and retie things. So they plan ahead and go. And, and that's the mindset I took when I first started fishing was I was watching, you know, these YouTube videos and stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, he's got A, B, C, D, E, F, and G on the front deck, then, you know, I need that too. And, and so, uh, you know, and, and then now, you know, I still take, you know, eight to 10 rods with me every trip, but I'm still throwing three or four. Some days I'll throw them all if the bite's tough, but you don't have to have it. Yeah. I, I do it a- because I've gotten spoiled and I don't like to retie. So I'll, I'll try something different, you know? Well, I think I, I fish for, two hours before dark the other day in the kayak and uh i took several several combos with me and uh fished with one the entire time i fished with a frog the whole time i never took it off yeah because i just like fishing with it 
<laughs> I may you could have caught more fish on a, on a, on something else if I'd have, if I'd have thrown it, but uh, I just like fishing with it. Yeah, yeah, the guy who won our Tennessee Bass Nation tournament on Gunnersville this weekend, Randall Wallace. Uh, he's a local guy down there to you guys. He uh, he he won it on a spro frog, and he's won. I don't know. I'd say he's probably won six thousand dollars off of this one frog. It's the same exact frog. It's gotten paper thin on him. Uh, but that's, you know, he, the, his limit was, you know, pushing 20 pounds, you know, uh, good gracious. Yeah. Yeah. There's an art to that one. And, and, and that's the, uh, and those guys that know how to fish frogs really well, they've got it, they've got it down. But, uh, I guess I'm still learning, man. Cause I, I don't, I don't know if I would trust myself in a tournament to fish with it because I only catch about every, uh, one out of about every five that hit it, I think it's, you know, and I've talked to a lot of people since I was fishing with it a few weeks ago. And they're like, man, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta let that sucker take it. <laughs> you gotta let him, you gotta let him eat <laughs> and then set the hook. Well, yeah. A good, good friend of mine is a, he's a cameraman for, uh, was, was for bass. Now he is with MLF and he gets to fish with these pros and stuff in the off time. And, and Greg Hackney took him out one day and showed him how to frog fish and Greg Hackney told him probably what everybody's told you is you got to let them take that frog. And he demonstrated to him, I can't remember how many frog, how many bites he told him that it told me that he did it on. But when he, when that bass slurped that frog down, he just sat there and sat there and sat there and let, let them swim off with it and then set the hook and caught every one of them. No and I'm way. talking about like 10 seconds he would let them because it's just like if they if they bite a minnow or a bluegill, you know, they're going to hold it in their mouth like they're going to swallow it and they're going to swim off with it, you know. And so he says you can pull it out of their mouths too early, but you hardly ever can take it out too late. And, and so uh, I started doing that here because I'm not very good at it. Uh, but the day that I did it, I was four for four on frog bites. And, and since then... Uh, I'd say I've probably caught 10 more frogfish off of it. And I would say I probably have missed three or four bites with it since then. That's a great uh, ratio right there, man. I, I'm going to, in, in fact, I'm fixing to get off here with you in just a second. And I'm going to go try it. Uh, if, if the rain will stay off of me for a little bit, I'm, I'm going to go put the, hey, buddy, put the hobie in rain. the water. Hey, that's the next thing. Yeah. That's the next thing. Spend $50 on a set of frog togs and go fishing in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, some of the best days I've ever had was, was either rain. it was either when it rained or right when it quit. I've had some incredible days. Right, I love well, fishing in the rain. I do too, and, and and I know that this is this is first of all, I, I appreciate you taking time to join us today. And man, I, I think that you know we can we can have some other other calls and and dive deeper into it in the future. Uh, it, you know, specific lures and different kinds and 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 of course we're going to get in love to get into the CAC on a real deep level with you as well today's kind of an overview of you know somebody just getting into it or just retackling up and just maybe not having the confidence of what they need when they walk into bait and tackle place but you know guys i can tell you listeners that you know when you go into a place like dugout or or other places where where this local to you and then these guys that work there, they're there to help you. And uh, I guarantee you, if you walk in dugout and say, say, oh, Steve, 
uh, he's going and ask him questions. He's going to answer them and give you, give you truthful feedback on it. So, you know, take advantage of the knowledge that these guys that work there have, and, uh, they, they'll probably lead you in the right direction. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. And again, we'll set something else up to dive into the, the plastic kayaks that we all love. And, you know, again, I want to thank you for reaching out and uh, having Brandon Watson on the show previously. And, you know, as you said, anything that, that you think you may need, just reach out, you know, myself or anyone else at Dugout Bait and Tackle, and, and we'll we'll help you get steered the best way we know how. Well, I'm probably going to have to reach out to you because I messed up this last weekend and, and uh, took my wife and my daughter kayaking, and we've had we've got the paddle kayaks but my wife just had surgery, so she didn't need to be using her arm. So I let her take my, my Hobie foot pedal. She, uh, to say she liked it's an understatement. And, uh, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably going to be coming to see you to, uh, try to find her, try to find her a kayak that, that fits her and, and that she can go out there and, and, and follow me around with while I'm fishing. Hey, I appreciate it. You know, we've still, we've got a few 2021s left and, um, you know, we've got, you know, the kayaks you can demo, uh, you can buy two Rapala baits, get one free, buy two packs of missile baits, get one free. Um, you buy an NRX plus rod, you get a $200 reel for free. Uh, any reel that you buy, we'll spool it with a line of your choice. So uh, just, you know, reach out. Hey, that's to a good sale, man. It's a pretty good one. It is very good. So basically, you know, you buy that NRX plus, you're getting a Corrado for free. You know, I mean, that's a good so, deal. You can't beat so. that, man. Well, hey, guys, check out Dugout Bait and Tackle, Marietta, Georgia. But like Steve said, you don't have to be in Marietta. You can check them out online. I mean, I'm assuming y'all ship to anybody that wants to to shop with you guys. Yes, sir. We, we've sent orders to Singapore, uh, South Africa. Yeah, we send them everywhere. What's the website and what's uh, a way for them? Maybe some contact information if they have questions uh, about something maybe that we've talked about on the show today or if they have questions about kayaks and, ac- and the accessories that go with them. Yeah, the easiest way to start out is to go uh, to Facebook, you know, Dugout Bait and Tackle. The website is dugoutfishing.com. Pretty simple, dugoutfishing.com. Uh, look up myself, Steve Owens, uh, on Facebook and, you know, send me a message or text me at 423-681-9519. And uh, pretty much we're kind of a 24-7 operation. So, uh, you know, get a hold of us and, and don't don't ever feel like it's a bother. Good stuff, man. Well, Steve, we appreciate it, buddy. I'm thinking to go, uh, I'm thinking to go get my kayak and see if I can uh, get one on the end of the line real quick. I hope you I hope you get several of them. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to coming back. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Let's take just a few more minutes and hear from some more sponsors. Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by Killer Dock. Today, we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction, dirty dock. 
Have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result? It happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water. You need dock enhancement. Killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine-grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch. The scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slots. You choose the style. Check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at KillerDock.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I hope y'all enjoyed that first segment as much as I did. Uh, like I said, I was looking forward to doing that. It's, I think it's a really cool series to do on here uh, because it, it is. It's overwhelming. You go into Bass Pro Shop, and there's just aisles and aisles and aisles and stuff. So I think it's really cool for our listeners that may not be, you know, as far as advanced as some of the other ones and not been fishing as long to go, okay, what do I need to go get? How do I get started? So really cool segment, but I am also just as fired up about this second segment as I was about the first one, man. I love having this guy on. He's got some big news to share with us from this past weekend up at Pickwick. What's going on, Tucker Smith? Hey, how are you doing? Doing good, brother. How are you, man? War Eagle. War Eagle. I'm doing good. That's what I'm talking about. So, hey, man, national championship on Pickwick this weekend, right? This past weekend. It was. It was a, it was a close race. We finished up in second place. We uh, almost had the win, but we didn't. And it was still one of the most fun tournaments I've ever had in my life. So, it was a good time. Dude, number two. So, last year, you finished number one, right? No, I, we finished 14th last year. This year we we came in second, but yeah, that that was my freshman year. I think we came in 14th. Okay, okay, that's right, that's right. I was getting confused there. Okay, but this year you, you came in second, man. That's awesome. Championship. <laughs> that may be, man. Maybe. Well, I know you had some Auburn guys finish number one last year, didn't they? Team of the year or something? Uh, they, we, me and Logan won team of the year last That's year. That's what I was thinking. Won. I was yeah. thinking about you and Logan winning team of the year. We had some Auburn guys finish in third place last year. Okay. That's what I was getting confused on. But, hey, man, you finished second in the nation this year. That's a heck of a great finish. You know, first of all, what an exciting year you've had, right? Yes, sir. It's been crazy. I mean, we've been traveling all over the country, catching bass, and it's been a fun time. Me and Logan have been uh, – we've been doing good this year, and uh, I think we're starting to get on that roll again. We had a good tournament at Norfolk, and then uh, after that we went to that national championship and finished second. So we are starting to get back on that roll. We had a really good fall season, and uh, the first couple tournaments in the spring were kind of slow for us, but we're starting to pick it back up, and I'm happy with where it's going right now. Heck yeah. And for those of you who may not have heard the episode with Tucker and Logan that we did, when was it back in the fall or in the winter, Logan, after y'all won the uh, Bass Pro Shop tournament? It was right after. I think it was in the wintertime when we did that last show. Yeah, guys, if you haven't listened to that, go back and find that episode. Uh, it was, I think it was November, December, maybe January, somewhere in there. I can't remember. Maybe one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done since we've been doing this podcast and that's a lot of podcasts but uh logan and tucker you know went the bass pro shop million bucks new truck new boat i mean that's got to feel good that's got to give you some confidence going into this year yes sir it does and it also gives us a great financial backing 
going into the opens as well as the college stuff, traveling around, you know, gas is so expensive nowadays. It helps out a lot traveling around trying to catch bass. So it helps yeah. out. No kidding, man. Well, let's talk about Pickwick. So you go into Pickwick this weekend and, uh, man, what's your plan going into the lake? What's your, what's your approach? How, how are you thinking you're going to catch fish? Last week, we basically, in the previous years, it's been a ledge tournament, offshore bite. So we spent most of our time in practice behind the graphs and idling. So we, uh, I think we got up there Sunday, and the tournament started Thursday. So from Sunday to uh, Wednesday, we graphed all day, daylight till dark every single day, and found as many schools of fish as we could on Pickwick. And we also got some good rain so that we knew we knew the current was going to be rolling and it was going to position those fish the way that we wanted to uh, catch them. So that's why we graphed all week and we found some good schools. So you're literally just in the boat. You're not even, I mean, y'all ain't picking a rod up. You're just riding. You're finding schools of fish on ledges and you're marking them. That's right. I think we made probably about 15 casts in all of practice. For it. So it was kind of boring. It sucked driving, riding around, driving around, looking at the graphs all day, but it paid off. Um, and that's what you have to do sometimes this time of year. So walk me through this when, when you're, when you go up there and, uh, you're planning on doing what you guys are doing, riding and looking for fish. I mean, what's your starting point? Are you looking for, I mean, you're looking at the map, obviously, is there a particular type scenario or setup? You're looking for ledges close to deep water. You're looking for ledges close to shallow water kind of makes, when you look at that map, what do you see that goes, I want to ride over that spot right there? So basically everybody, you know, usually that fishes graphs the main points and everything on the main river. And those are what we call the community holes. And those hold a lot of fish. There's a reason why they hold a lot of fish is because they're good places. They've got, you know, they've got good makeup on the bottom, hard spots. We're looking for shell beds, anything near deep water. You know, this time of year, the fish are, getting done spawning they're, and they're going offshore to feed back up after they spawn. So you want to find places close to those places where they spawned, kind of like those transition areas where they're kind of moving out uh, and starting to feed up. So anywhere where we saw a place that looked like it had a spawning bay, any places that looked like a fish had, were, were able to move from that area of spawning out to deep water, it's kind of where we targeted. And so we graphed some of the offshore uh, community holes, some of the places that are known to, to have a lot of fish, but the places that paid off for us most were those sneaky areas that were not as well known that took, you know, that it takes time to find those kind of areas. And those are the places where you can really get, get lucky quick. Yeah. So you mark your spots, you're going into the tournament, you kind of where you're going to fish at this point. And uh, so y'all just go out. What's day one look like? What y'all, I mean, what are you fishing with? Uh, how are you catching them? So day one, we had about, I would say, we had about probably 25 schools marked over the week. You know, anywhere from 10, 15 fish to 300 fish schools. Jeez. Um, so we knew that if we uh, rotated our areas, that we were eventually going to pull up on the, on the right place at the right time. And that's what it all, it's all about when you're offshore fishing is timing. So timing is huge. They had the current ripping a lot because of the, the rain that we had. So it, the, whenever there's a lot of current, it positions those fish high up on those places where they want to feed. And it makes them active when all that water is pulling because it pulls the bait right over where they're trying to feed at. You know, we were looking for those active fish. And so we hit our first spot that we caught 
I actually made one cast in, in this one spot in practice, and I caught a five-pounder. So we started on that place. There was about 100 fish there, 100 bass, and uh, it really wasn't happening. So we eased off to our next place, wasn't catching them. Actually, our first place, we caught two small ones. And so the third place we pulled up to, we saw a good bit of fish there, and we really didn't know that there was that big a size there. But we pulled up, and I think our first cast was five-and-a-half-pounder. Um, our next cast was a four pounder. Our next cast was a four pounder. Goodness. And we, we caught just under 20 pounds on that third stop. So it's all about finding that right place at the right time. We caught, we caught them on a hair jig and also a six inch swim bait. That was kind of the main one, two punch for us that week. And that's something that a hair jig and a swim bait, something you can throw. A lot of people throw a crankbait in there, but that's a crankbait. A lot of the time scares them. Um, and something like a hair jig and a swim bait when you throw in there first, you seem to be able to pick off more fish with those kind of baits. And you seem to get more numbers in the boat and better size as well. So that's what we did day one. And then we, we uh, rotated a few more areas and caught a couple more good ones. And we ended up pulling up to, I think, 21 and a half pounds the first day. You got to feel like your chances are pretty good when you land 21 the first day. Exactly. And we were sitting in second after the first day. Uh, it was a two-day tournament, and our good buddies, Briar and Clint, from Wallace State, they were leading the tournament. They had 23 pounds, and they had they caught an eight-and-a-half-pounder the first day. So oh, my. That was, yeah, so they caught a really big one. We had, I think, like a five-and-a-half-pounder was our big one, but everything else we had was four-plus. So let me back up a little bit. So let's let's talk about these the hair jig and the swim bait a little bit more. Sure. Um, when you're fishing a hair jig, are you fishing that like you fish – a normal jig i mean is it throw out let it go to the bottom you know pull up pull down or is it more of a constant swim i mean how how do you i've never fished with a swim with a with a hair jig so educate Mm me okay um so basically you throw it out there it's about five six inches long um made out of hair uh white and so basically you throw it out there five eighths ounce and a lot of times what they do is they hit it on the fall so it basically looks like a dying shad. So you throw it out there, let it hit the bottom, and then you reel it up about, you know, six, seven, eight times, and then kill it and let it fall and hit the bottom. And they'll hit it on the fall just about every single time. And so I think when we pulled up to that spot, the first five and a half pounder, it uh, it ate it on the first cast on the fall. So we, we didn't even have to reel it. It was already on there. They, that's just a bait that attracts those big fish, and it usually gets the most aggressive and biggest fish in the school to fire. Wow. And so the swim jig, you kind of, you fish it kind of the same way you, you throwing out just letting it get to the bottom and then you're trying to keep it. You're more of a steady retrieve with that. Right. But you're just trying to keep it as close to the bottom as possible. Yeah. So I'm a six inch swimmer. You basically just throw it out there and I was creeping the bottom with it, just bumping the shells on the shell bar and reeling it slow. And those fish that usually the swim bait will catch more fish. And most of the time that hair jig will get better quality. It just depends on the school. But basically you throw that swim bait out there, let it hit the bottom and just slow creep it back. And that's the way you can catch a bunch of good fish. That swim bait's deadly as well. I would have totally thought it would have been the opposite on size. I thought that that swim bait would have caught bigger fish than the hair jig. It's a little larger lure, isn't it? They're about the same size. The, the hair jig's about six inches. Swim bait's about six inches. It's just about, all about that fall with that hair jig. That's, fall the way that that hair jig falls through the water it triggers those fish to bite 
And, you know, if you've got a big, a big female sitting on the bottom on a stool and they see a big white thing that looks like a shad fall in their face, you know, they don't have any hands. They're not, they're not going to be able to hit that thing away with their hands. So they're going to either eat it or they're going to swim away. So usually those biggest, the biggest fish in the school will just eat it. That's They'll eat it. How it is. Mm-hmm. Good deal. So appreciate that, man. That's some good, good, good insight on how to fish those lures. So, so we get to day yeah. two, we're in second place. So day two, we knew we had to catch them. And after day one, we really didn't even hit uh, most of our spots. I think we hit like four or five of our places on day one. We didn't really have to go to any other places. We kind of, you know, we didn't know that it was going to have that 23 pounds was going to be leading. We had 21. So we were like, all right, let's go ease off of our fish, go look for some new stuff and then come back day two and catch a bag. And so day two pulled up on our hole that we were catching, that we caught that 20 pounds off of day one. I think Logan caught a four pound smallmouth off the bat on the hair jig. And then we caught a couple of smaller keepers. And so we ran to our next spot. I caught a large mouth that was pushing four and we caught, we filled out our limit there. And then we ran to another spot that was this deep rock pile that we had marked. And I fired up there and caught a smallmouth that was four and a half pounds on the swim bait. And so after that, we, we started graphing around, checking a few more places, and we found the mother load. We found a place that we didn't find them in practice. We graphed over it in practice, and they weren't there. So we went back and just graphed it, you know, because those fish show up day by day on, on the TVA. They just kind of show up day by day. So we were just graphing around. We found that place. We cut the motor off, and we spun around and cast it. And I think we caught over 15 fish, all over three pounds. Good gracious. One close, we caught one close to seven. I've been doubled up on four and a half at the same time. And we just caught them every single cast for 30 minutes. That is insane, man. That would be fun. And what's so crazy is that you, that's not one of the sparks. I mean, y'all spent all that time and it's not one of the spots that had fish on it. But what made you go back to that Mm -hmm. rock pile that didn't have fish on it a day or two before? So basically those places that we had marked, um, had a lot of fish on them, and but also they were getting a lot of pressure from other boats. And we knew if we if, if we could find them in a place that didn't have as much pressure and not as many boats were fishing around, we would be able to catch, you know, a good bit off of them. And that place that we ended up finding day two had no boats fishing it. So we were the only one fishing it, and uh, we absolutely smashed them for 30, 45 minutes, every single cast. And they were all big ones, and it just – it just worked out. I think we ended up on that last spot. We ended up pulling up to 23 and a quarter, I think was our final weight for that day. Good gracious, man. That's a heck of a day. It was one of the most fun days I've had. I mean, it was just cast after cast and, you know, do you, do you need the net? No, it's just another three pounder and flipping it in the boat. So <laughs> right it now, just, it's just another three pounder. We're good. <laughs> and the craziest part was, um, uh, when we doubled up, Logan hooked that one that was almost seven pounds, and he was like, I need the net. And I was like, I've got a big one, too. I hooked up at the same time. And so we were cranking them at the same time. I had a four-and-a-half-pounder on the end of my line, and so I grabbed the net with one hand with the rod in the other hand, and I scooped his, and then I just ended up boat flipping mine on top of his. So we just had – we it was total chaos. Oh, my gosh, man. I bet y'all were high-fiving, fist-bumping, screaming. Um, that's got to be a heck of a moment. It was awesome, and we also got it all on video. We had a camera guy in the boat the, uh, for both two days, so oh, it's going nice. to be an awesome show. 
That's going to be an awesome show, no doubt about it. So you finished day two. I'm sure you didn't drop, did you? I mean, you're still one or two now, right? Do I know? I said you're still one or two after after day two, right? First or second? The tournament was only two days, so that was the final day. And uh, we ended up having a little over 23. And then our buddies, Brian Clint, had over 23 again. They found a mega school, and they sat on it day two, day one and two. And they ended up having 23 again. So their two-day total was like 47 pounds. Our two-day total was, I think, 45 pounds. And then third place was like 37 pounds. So it was like, it was really like a shootout for first place. Oh man, how fun. You know, what, what amazes me and we see it all the time, right? I mean, we, we see it in, you know, in Gunnersville on, uh, ML, ML major league fishing a few weeks ago on Gunnersville, you got a guy from, you know, Nick LeBron, who we had on a few weeks ago, had on the show. You know, Nick's a guy from Bossier City, Louisiana, that's not as maybe familiar with Gunnersville as some of the other pros. I mean, you got a lot of guys that live there that fish that lake as their home lake, but it's kind of like you guys going up to Pickwick. Not that you're unfamiliar with Pickwick, but it's not your home lake. And, you know, when uh-huh. you see these curna- tournaments come in to these places, you're thinking, man, these hometown guys have such an advantage. And in a way, they do. But I think, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but these hometown guys that fish this lake all the time and fishing it for years, they've got these spots in their head that, that they know about, and that's what they think about, and that's where they go to, where guys like you come in, or guys like Nick come over to Gunnersville, and he, he doesn't know these all these places, so he's just riding and looking and putting in the time, trying to locate some fish, because... And he finds something that nobody else knows about, which is kind of what it sounds like you guys found. That's right. And that's what kills you a lot of the time is fishing history. And I've been caught up with fishing history, and it bit me in the butt before. And honestly, I fish better at places that I've never been to. Like, just like that Johnny Morris Million Dollar Tournament. Uh, We had never been there, and we figured them out, you know, because it, it helps when you're figuring out the bite that's happening right then. And you're looking for those fish you're trying all kinds of different stuff to figure out what exactly they're doing at that time and you know a lot of people will be fishing history when there's you know a new school that showed up that nobody even knew about so that's something that can help you for sure yeah no doubt about that man so what's next where we t- where we're going next i'm leaving this weekend for saginaw bay uh bassmaster college tournament me and logan are fishing it's uh it's the last major college tournament that we have this year, so it's going to be a fun one. They're going to be biting. Man, good. Well, good luck to you up there for sure. And uh, when are you going to be Thank coming you. back around uh, Lay or Logan or any of those areas? Uh, as soon as I get back, I'm going to head out there. We've got a college tournament at Logan Martin right after Saginaw Bay, so I'm going to be out there at Logan Martin probably every single day when I get back. Well, if you need somebody to go with you, it's 20 minutes from my house, and I would love to go. Uh, you probably going to have Logan with you, I, would, I imagine. But just put me in the boat with you two guys, and uh, and we'll do a podcast from yeah. the boat. And uh, and I'll just ride and watch yeah. what y'all do. Yeah, it's fun. I need to. Yeah, man. I, I would love to do that. I would love to see how you guys kind of kind of work a, work a lake and, and figure these fish out. For sure. And yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, man. I would love to do I'm, that if I'm you guys. Fish, sounds like a lot of fun. I, Logan Martin's my home lake, and I've been fishing there since I was a little kid, and I'm really excited for this tournament. I, 
I know where they're going to be headed, and I've got a really good feeling about it. I've, I think it's going to be a good tournament for us, knock on wood. But this is a tournament that I've been wanting to happen for a while, and it's my favorite time of year. So I think that they're going to bite. Good deal, man. Well, hey, I, I'm going to be reaching out to you next week. And a good luck this okay. weekend to start with, but I want to I want to go get in the boat with you guys next week. I, like I said, I ain't got a fish. I just want to watch and let y'all educate yeah. me. So before I get you off here, I got to have a tip of the day. So let's just make it broad, man. If if you're going to you know the Coosa chain or or Tennessee River chain, either one. I mean, what would your tip be for this time for if you're going like this weekend? I would say my tip for right now would be pay attention to your electronics. Some fish are done spawning. They're going to slide offshore and start feeding back up. So pay attention to your graph. Keep idling around. I know it sucks, but put your time in on the graph, and eventually it's going to pay off because that winning school is down there. And if you fire them up, then you're going to win. So pay attention to your electronics and uh, just keep idling around. Man, that's a great tip, man. We appreciate that. But not all places that I like to fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, well, you know, I, I did, before I get you off of here, you know, I did call you or reach out to you here a, a couple of days ago when I was uh, in my kayak back up in, in Lay Lake uh, fishing lily pads with a frog. And, and I, yes, I, I seriously wanted to throw my, just throw everything in the water, break it, snap it. I, I, I miss like 10 fish in a row good fish and i mean some of them you could see were good fish and i was so frustrated and i just i know that man you talked about that we text back and forth so next time i go i'm definitely going to to follow your advice but but kind of tell our listeners what what you do with a frog okay basically frog fishing really frustrating because the fish will do backflips over your frog and it's really frustrating because a lot of the times it scares you or you want to set the hook really fast and your adrenaline gets going. But the worst thing you can do is jerk and set the hook right when that fish explodes on it. Um, that's not what you want to do. A lot of times the fish will come up and hit the frog. And then what they actually do is they like spin in a circle and then it'll make the frog sink down under the water and then they'll suck it in. So don't go hauling off setting the hook. What I like to do is when I get that bite, keep working the frog until you actually feel the the pressure of the fish pulling down to the left or the right or pulling your rod down. And that's when you set the hook um, because a lot of times you'll just pull it out of their mouth. And a lot of people don't realize that that's what they do. A lot of the times they suck the frog under and then they like, they'll spin it around and then they'll suck it back in. So just take your time with it, let them eat the frog and then wait till you start feeling pressure and then, then give them the gaff and set the hook. Good stuff, man. If you're fishing a frog and you're just having trouble, getting it done and, and missing fish would you would you put on something like a fluke um not if i'm throwing around heavy vegetation if i'm th- if you're throwing around grass lily pads heavy vegetation you want to have that strong 65 pound braid just so because you'll if you get wrapped up in one of those lily pads with 15 pound fluorocarbon you might as well just kiss that fish goodbye but i would say you know you're honestly if you're getting a lot of bites and they're just not eating it i would try a color change because a lot of the times if they're blowing up on it, missing it too, that could be a color problem. If you're throwing like a, if you're throwing like a white one and they're not eating it right, then they might be feeding on bluegill and you need to tie a green pumpkin one on. But just kind of rotate colors and see what they're, what they're biting. And once they finally start eating it, that's what you know that you're throwing the right color. Yeah, there you go. Well, will those fish like up in those creeks? I mean, for, and and I'm and I'm talking about this from a kayak standpoint. I mean, you, you know. Um, but it could be for, for anybody. You know, we talk about 
these fish in the main lake, they move out. This time of year, they're moving out on the ledges in deeper water. But now up in the creeks, I mean, some of those fish, as well, that water in that creek, as the water in the main lake heats up, that creek water could potentially be a little cooler. Will more fish go up in the creek or will the, the creek, will the, will the fish, some of them's going to stay in the creek year round, right? Yes. There's, there's some fish which we call a resident fish. And those fish stay in the creeks year round. There's resident fish. They live in those creeks and they feed on bluegill all year and uh, frogs and stuff like that. That's what they eat. A lot of those fish, the majority of the fish move out. And then some will move back into those creeks. A lot of those creeks have springs in them and the water's cooler. But the fastest way for them to feed back up is to move offshore and feed back up. And then some of those fish will slide back up, um, up shallow. But a lot of the fish that you're catching in the backs of those places are resident fish right now. And the majority of the wave is, has moved out out of those creeks. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Hey, Tucker, I appreciate you, man, as always. Uh, proud of you guys and, and what you're doing for yourselves and for Auburn University. So, yes, uh, hey, man, go up there this weekend, and I know y'all going to do good up there again. Yes, sir. I hope so. Thank you. I had a great time talking to you. Absolutely, man. Always do. Always a pleasure. And next week, don't forget about me. Yes, sir. Give me a text or call me, and I'll hit you up. All right, man. Sounds good. I'll talk to you then. Take care. All right. Have a good one. All right, buddy. See ya. All right, guys, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from a few more of this week's sponsors. BoatersList.com. BoatersList is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. And brought to you by North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes. Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well-stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. And by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. All right, guys, welcome back to the show, and what a what a great show it was, man. Loved having Steve on from Dugout. Loved having Tucker on. These young guys, man, they just amaze me with their knowledge. You know, we expect the knowledge from these callers that we have on here that are professional guys or people that are doing this for a living or guiding for a living or tournament fishing for a living and have been around the sport a long time, you know, but these young guys, these high school, these college guys, they just blow my mind at not just their knowledge, but man, just their ability to share it right on the podcast. I mean, it's, uh, it's a breath of fresh air to hear, to see these young guys doing what they can do and being able to talk on a podcast as comfortably as these guys, 
uh, are able to do it. So I hope y'all enjoyed the show as much as I did today. And that is going to be a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, as always, please take a minute, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you'd listen. And, uh, Hey, we'll send you an email each and every week. If you want to, it's that way you'll never miss a show. All you got to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767. And, uh, we'll text it to you, email it to you every week. Stay safe out there, guys. Look forward to talking to you again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And by MB Ranch King Hunting Blinds and Feeders are built to last right here in the USA. We also offer high quality, easy to use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. These ultralight, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. Photonist Defense, masters of darkness. And also brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. And brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt. Go fish. Get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by BoatersList.com. Do you own your own company that needs to reach boaters, anglers, and marine enthusiasts? Sign up for free today to grow your business on BoatersList.com.